0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Daniel, I'm one of the pastors. If you walked in uh, later in the service, it's great to have you. If you're a first-time guest or just kind of checking us out for the second or third time, really, really thankful that you're with us. And uh, just want to give a heads up uh, before I go into our sermon uh, that this morning's sermon's somewhat unique. Uh, I told some of you as you walked in that uh, that this is a little different type of sermon. Uh, it's a one-off sermon. Uh, it's it's going to feel a little bit more educational. Uh, and the reality is, like, we, we just have to, we have to do this, and you're going to hear why. And I want to do it. We need it, it's important for the life of our church. Uh, but I, I just want to give you a heads up uh, on that front. Uh, because here at Christ Central, we normally preach through a book of the Bible or some portion of the Bible, or we might do a short series on a particular issue like we just finished. We, we just finished a six-week series on loving your neighbor and what that meant, and we're about to launch into a new series starting next week in Revelations chapter 2 through 3 on the seven letters to the churches at Revelation. Uh, but this morning is kind of a standalone sermon, because God has been at work in our church over the last two years. He He has been faithful to pour out his grace and blessed us in many, many ways. And we are prayerfully and hopefully moving towards electing, ordaining, and installing our own elders to lead in this church. So in our denominations language, uh, what that means is we're moving toward particularizing. You'll hear some of this language sometimes in our church. We don't use it a lot. Actually, we don't use it very, very much at all. But we are particularizing, and what that means is that we will have our own elders. So for the past two years, Timothy and I have been called, ordained, and installed to be on a mission to plant and start this church. We've been given oversight elders from other churches in the area, so we're not just doing our own thing. We've been given oversight. So becoming a church with its own elders is a huge moment in the life of of a church. It's a huge moment. Uh, this church was birthed two years ago, and, and in ordaining and installing our own elders, is at least it means we're, we're beginning to walk and talk and make decisions for ourselves. We're growing up a little bit as a church. It's a very exciting time. So in two weeks, we're going to have a congregational meeting. For those of you who, who are members, we're going to have a congregational meeting right after the worship service, two weeks from now, and we will take nominations for officers, leaders of our church. And then we're going to do some specific training for those nominated during the summer with the hopes of bringing to you a, a slate in the fall for you to elect your very first elders and leaders within this church. So That's what we're moving toward. That's exciting. Can, can I get an amen? amen? That's exciting. I'm excited. Timothy and I are excited to have some other people with us as we elder in this church. And so the reason I'm doing this one-off sermon is to preach on the role of the church and its leadership, to help us as we move toward this new stage. And so I hope this sermon does a few things for us this morning. I hope it does first that it makes those of you who are members of Christ's Church really pray and consider who you would want to entrust yourselves to as your leaders. Who you want to entrust yourself to. The second, that it would cause all of you who may feel called to lead as an officer in this church to feel the weight and privilege that it, that it is to lead within God's church. And then lastly, and this is some of you, to help all of you, all of us here this morning, hear what we really care about at this church and what we're committed to in the leadership of this church. So that's, that's what I hope you, you get from this sermon this morning. So we're going to look at two passages, Ezekiel 34 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm ask you to stand as I read both of these passages, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. Ezekiel 34, verses 1 to 6, and then verses 11 to 17. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on an every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness." And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in the habited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There There they shall lie down in a good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, which means elder, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever, the prophet Isaiah tells us. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would come and speak to us. Lord, this does feel a little different as we learn uh, what leadership in this church in particular uh, might look like. And as we move toward it, would you, Lord Jesus, plant us deeply in your word. Lord, would you... Uh, plant us deeply in your grace, and would you raise up the people that you want to lead within this church? Lord, would you speak to us now? Uh, would you speak into our spirit, your spirit to our spirit, that we might know you and we might walk with you? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can have a seat. So I was listening to WUNC on the radio this past week, and an episode of This American Life came on. And, uh, and in this episode, it was about, I think it was a nonprofit's research that led them to a new powerful and effective technique of persuasion when canvassing for voting. Uh, And in the middle uh, of this episode, you hear a situation play out between a canvasser and a voter. Uh, The canvasser knocks on the voter's house and then asks, on a scale of zero to 10, where would you rank yourself on a certain issue? And the voter said, I'd put myself at a zero. The canvasser then launches into her personal story, which seems and probably is authentic and honest, but it's extremely calculated and purposeful. She shares how she's been affected and why she cares about this issue at hand, and after 18 minutes, she asks the voter again, where would you now put yourself on a scale of 0 to 10? And the voter said, 10 It was shocking to hear the power of persuasion, that this voter within 18 minutes was led from a zero to a ten. Canvassing was purposeful. It was to lead and to persuade voters. And as I listened in my car, I thought, man, don't we all follow something and aren't we all led by someone? Some truth, whatever we think that might be, some person, whether they're dead or alive, is influencing and leading all of us in what we believe and how we live our lives. I want to make a big statement. I think there is a major crisis of leadership in the church today. Therefore, there is a major crisis of discipleship in the church today. I think, I think it's true today as it has been in the past. Uh, that many Christians by name are just, they're not following Jesus. As Dallas Willard put it, it has now become part of the good news that one does not actually have to be a disciple of Jesus to be a Christian. There's just too many stories of people that I hear uh, coming into a church, possibly even saying they're becoming a Christian, they join a church say they want to be led, but then they fall out of the community and they just disappear from the church without the church ever knowing and realizing and pursuing them and doing anything about it. Many churches are failing in leading because they're failing in making disciples. Lifelong followers of Jesus whose lives are being daily and yearly changed by the grace of Christ. Many churches can think that leadership is like corporate business leadership in the church. Leadership in the church is like corporate business leadership. But it, that it's all about strategy and it's all about marketing. And, and I will say that there, that has a place within leadership. But when the Bible speaks about the leadership of God's people, one of the main images it uses, as you heard it read in Ezekiel 34, is shepherding. It's not decision making, it's not strategic planning, it's shepherding. Ezekiel, as I, as I read from the Old Testament, is, and I don't know, uh, for me, for sure, as someone who's been called to lead God's people, Ezekiel 34 is sometimes a passage that I just want to go around. I want to avoid it because it's sobering. And it's a passage that makes me tremble as I read it. Ezekiel 34, verse 2 says, The shepherds of Israel. And in in that phrase, uh, Ezekiel is speaking of the kings of Israel, the ruling class, but also speaking of the priests of Israel. So when the Old Testament uses the imagery of shepherd, it's often for the king and for the spiritual leaders of the land because shepherds are supposed to look out for the well-being of the flock entrusted to them, just as religious and governmental leaders are supposed to serve the interest of the people that have been entrusted to their care. Now we're going to understand the call of a shepherd leader in this passage because we see the failure of the shepherd leaders in Israel And we will fail in this church, and we'll end with good news. But let's look first at what a shepherd leader is to do. We're going to look at what a shepherd leader is to do and what a shepherd leader is to be. Pretty easy. So let's look first at what a shepherd leader is to do. The first thing that a shepherd leader of God's people is to do is to know. Is to know. Uh, This seems pretty intuitive, but it's extremely important. A shepherd leader is to know the sheep. A good shepherd knows the sheep under their care. And the sheep know the shepherd, and the shepherd cares for them. To know and to be known, that's, that is the foundation of any and all relationship, whether it be family, friendship, co-workers, neighbors. Everybody wants to know and to be known, and that holds especially true for those who have been called to lead spiritually. All of us have the desire to be known by those who will lead us The Lord Jesus and care for our souls, and to know those uh, as well who are leading us for our own spiritual growth. The, The shepherd leaders in Ezekiel, they're spending too much time on themselves. They're spending too much time focused on them rather than time knowing their sheep. They're blind to the needs, they're deaf to the cries of the sheep. A good leader, a good leader of God's people, is one who cares enough to stop and listen to needs. One who's compassionate enough to care about the pain and the hurt. One who may know the sheep so well that they see the danger ahead of the sheep before the sheep even knows it's moving towards danger. They know. The second thing a good shepherd leader does is it feeds. The failure here in Ezekiel 34 of the shepherd leaders is not so much that they're taking care of themselves. That's actually important. You cannot take care of anyone else if you're not healthy, if you're not cared for. So I'm not saying that, but the indictment upon these shepherd leaders is that they are consumed with themselves to the neglect of of those who are under their care. The passage says they eat the fat. They clothe themselves with wool while the sheep are starving to death. A good leader of God's people is committed to providing and nurturing the sheep. Now, all of us spend much of our lives wondering if we'll have enough, don't we? Do we have enough? Do I have a, am I going to have enough to pay rent? Do I have enough to buy a house? Am I going to have enough for this marriage to last? Am I going to have enough commit, contentment to wait for the right spouse? Or the, enough contentment in Christ to maybe never, ever marry? And, and then we wake up in the morning, all of us, with a desire to eat, don't we? When, and we have the same desire at noon, and then we have the same desire in the evening, we all desire to be nourished. And we're always wondering if we're going to be provided for, nourishment, and to be fed, if we're going to have enough. It's important that a leader lead their sheep into the green pastures to feed and to nourish. A green pasture is a requirement for any good shepherd. A green pasture is needed to provide what the sheep needs most. And as Christians, we believe that God has provided what we need most. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. As leaders of God's people, we don't rely on our own insight to feed the sheep. But we lead the sheep into the pastures of God's word, and we feed them with the very words that come from from God, So we know, we feed third, good shepherd leaders lead. <laughs> they lead. Look at those in Ezekiel 34. They are rebuked for not leading. They're letting the sheep scatter and wander over all the mountains and over the whole face of the earth. A good shepherd always leads and they always lead from the front, never from behind. And the sheep follow as the shepherd leads from the front. I heard a story about a group of people touring in the Middle East, and and the tour guide made this exact point, that all good shepherd leaders, or all good shepherds, lead from the front, and then the sheep follow. And the group got into their tour bus to head to the next stop, and they saw a flock of sheep wandering, and the shepherd was walking behind them. And so someone spoke up, Hey, tour guide, I thought you said all shepherds lead from the front. What's happening over here? And so he stops and he goes out to talk to the shepherd and the shepherd gets back into the, or the tour guy gets back into the bus and he's laughing and he says, that wasn't the shepherd, that was the butcher. (laughs) was headed to kill the sheep. (laughs) See, a good leader leads from the front. They set an example of what it looks like to walk in humility and to walk in dependence upon Jesus. They set an example of how to to have a godly family that's characterized by grace and by mercy. They they set an example of how to engage in our world as witnesses in word and in deed. Lead. The last thing a good shepherd leader does is they protect. Look back at Ezekiel 34. This is... Again, I tremble every time I read it. These shepherds don't strengthen the weak. They don't heal the sick. They don't bind up the injured. They don't bring back the stray. They don't seek the lost. And they rule with force and harshness. The leader of God's people, they seek to protect the sheep. To be aware of the vulnerability of the flock. And to be aware of the wolves that exist. When there's a danger, when there's danger at hand, a good shepherd does not run away but they step in to protect those under their care. You know, sheep aren't smart animals. You you do realize when the Scriptures call us all sheep, it's a statement that sometimes we're just not as smart as we think we are. We are sheep. We, We are sheep. There's another true story of a shepherd who was tending... To his flock, and they're at the edge of a cliff, and it's getting close to nighttime, and, and so the shepherd wants to stop for the evening in their travels. And so he accidentally left a portion of the gate open uh, where the, she- the sheep were being kept in and protected, and one sheep got out. And all of a sudden, all the other sheep followed this one sheep. And that first sheep walked right off the cliff, and the rest of the flock followed, one after the other off the cliff. We're sheep. Sheep don't always see the danger. Sheep follow, like we saw in the radio episode on canvassing. We all can be led. Therefore, we need someone who can protect us and who's willing to to step in and keep us safe, even when we don't know we're in danger. Safe from the dangers that are in our world and safe from the dangers that lurk within our own hearts. Good shepherds seek to protect Now, I I just quickly shared what a good shepherd leader, a good leader in God's church is supposed to do. And this is what we are committed to at Christ Central Church, to those who are under our care. And so as you nominate and as you vote for your leaders in the next coming months, I really want you to consider and pray who you want to entrust to care for you in these ways. I mean, all four of these things can really be boiled down to one call. That's the call to love. To love those under your care. And love is not easy. Love is difficult and love is commitment and love is inconvenient. Leonard Cohen wrote and sung, love is not a victory march. It's a cold and broken hallelujah. It is hard. Love is hard. But it's the call given to all of God's people who are called to shepherd and lead. So those of you who are members and considering becoming members, checking us out, this is what we're about at this church. I deeply desire for myself and for Timothy, our staff, and the elders that you might elect to be your leaders, to first and foremost seek to love you. That we're committed to you even when it's inconvenient. So let's look next at what a leader is supposed to be. 1 Timothy chapter 3, the New Testament passage that I read, gives us qualifications to look for in a leader. And again, these are important. The first thing Paul writes is, is this, there's a trustworthy saying to aspire to the office of overseer, the, the office of elder, that he aspires to a noble task. Elders are men who want to do the work of love. They want to do the work of love, not just have the status of an elder. In fact, I might say that they're already doing the work of eldering because it's burning in their hearts. They're not simply those who have a desire for the status of leader and elder. There's 11 qualifications listed here, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but I do want to give you three major categories, again, for you to consider as you think about who you might want to have as your leaders. And the first is comprehension. A shepherd leader is to have a comprehension of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only an intellectual knowledge of scripture and doctrine, but a comprehension and an experience of the gospel of grace that has changed the way they live their lives and is continuing to change the way they live their life. It must be a deep and rooted comprehension. Look at what Paul says. Not a recent convert. There should be fruit and evidence of a long understanding of grace that comes in knowing Jesus and the truths taught by Christ. There is a knowledge that is required for those who lead God's people a knowledge of God that amazes them, a knowledge of self and their brokenness that humbles them, and a knowledge of the world that helps them know how to live the gospel out day in and day out. There's a comprehension. The second category is competency. Shepherd leader is competent in the gospel of Jesus. It impacts, the gospel impacts their doing. This passage tells us in 1 Timothy 3 that they're able to teach the truths of Christ. Not necessarily preach, not every leader is going to be up here preaching, but they have a grasp of the gospel and of God's word that they're able to teach sound doctrine and truth. They're also able to engage in healthy discussion and make decisions for the life of the church with a level mind. Paul says that they are sober-minded. Sober-minded. This is not overly emotional, but level-headed. They're also able to manage, the passage says, their own household well. Not controlling their household, but loving. Now, this does not mean I'm going to clarify two things here in this passage. This does not mean, as some have interpreted, that all of their children are Christians and very obedient. See, the God of the Bible and the gospel that we believe are not formulaic. It does not mean that if a parent does A and B, then they always get C. It does not mean that will happen, but it does ask that this parent is doing A and B and then trusting God to do C. As I mentioned earlier, a good leader is knowing, feeding, leading, and protecting. So think about, is this person knowing, feeding, leading, and protecting spiritually their own family? They can't affect the outcome, but they can do those things by the grace of Christ. So competency. The last major category is character. You probably picked up on that as I read it. The gospel of Jesus Christ should be producing in a shepherd leader Evident fruit of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 gives the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self control. You hear some of those in this passage, don't you? Self controlled, gentle, not quarrelsome, not violent. They're kind. Paul also says they're above reproach. They're a husband of one wife. Again, that does not mean that they have to be married. It just says if they are, then they're pure in their marriage. They're not a drunkard. They're not a lover of money. They're not greedy. There is a purity and a holiness required to lead God's people. A leader should have a character that is being shaped by Christ and a comprehension of the gospel and its truths that leads them to humbly walk with God. So much so, if you picked up on the end of 1 Timothy 3, that those on the outside of the church Those outside, think well of them and respect them. I was talking to a friend last week who told me she was starting to visit churches again, but the main thing for her was to find a church that actually lived out what they said they believed. And she grew up in a church where she saw too much hypocrisy. And I I, I said, I can confess that. That, that That is the greatest turnoff to a church is when someone says something and lives a different way. And I wrestle with that in my own heart, my own hypocrisy. But a good leader is respected by those who are on the outside. Those who are outside the faith. I've always liked this requirement by Paul. Because I think it is easy to masquerade as a Christian inside the church and have other people applaud you for the mask that you wear and the game that you play. But those outside of the church, those who aren't Christians... They can smell phony and fake all day long. And they can see that a life doesn't match the words. Now, this, this may seem like a weighty call to be a shepherd leader of God's people. And it is. <laughs> it is. So for those of you who are considering this call, I hope you feel the weight. But I also want to remind all of us, and even myself again, as I tremble at the list of qualifications and my failures to always live in those ways, and as I look at Ezekiel 34 and go, I don't always live and do those things, I want to tell all of us that all human leaders will fail. Moses, the great shepherd leader, failed. David, another shepherd leader, failed. Peter failed. Paul failed. There's only one who will never fail you. Let me point you back to Ezekiel 34, verses 11 to 16. God is our chief shepherd. And he sent his son Jesus, who is the good shepherd. And God knows us in our humanity. He knows us. He knows your suffering. He knows the darkness. He knows your longing. He knows your sin. He knows us. And he feeds us. He feeds us with his word. He feeds us with his presence. He leads us. He goes before us. And he protects us from the dangers of this world and from the dangers within. Ezekiel 34, verses 11 to 16. God says, I will seek out. I will rescue. I will bring them out. I will feed them. I will make them lie down. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will strengthen the weak. I will, I will, I will. Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. He leads us besides quiet waters. He restores our soul. And the way that our chief and our good shepherd takes care of us as his sheep is that he gives us his church and the leaders within the church. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, Christ gave the apostles. Christ gave the evangelists. He gives the shepherds and the teachers. Jesus gives the church shepherds. And Jesus gives the church sheep. No church, no pastor, no leader makes a sheep. God's in the business of doing that. But we do have the call to love the sheep and to take care of the sheep, especially when it's hard And it's not glamorous. So let me ask you again. Who do you want to love and care for you in this church? Pray about it. Nominate, vote. I know I started by using a child analogy of our church that we're growing up out of infancy. But I want to drive home this imagery of, of being a sheep. A child, as they grow up, they become more independent. Right? Like my, my oldest son, Henry, is becoming less dependent on us as his parents. He's, I do it. I do it. He, he wants to do everything by himself. A child grows less dependent. A sheep, from new and young to old and weak, never become independent, always needing a shepherd to lead them. Christian, may we grow in our dependence dependence on the faithful. And good Shepherd, who's not left us alone, but's given us His Spirit and the Church and one another, to care for all of us all the days of our lives. Let's pray, Lord. I ask that You would, Lord Jesus, for those who are just kind of checking Christianity out, maybe checking Christ Central out. This feels kind of kind of ins- underneath the hood a little bit of our church. A little, maybe a little too much detail, but Lord, we need it. And it's so important, Lord, what, uh, what leadership looks like in this church. And so I pray that, that we would care deeply about people. Lord, we would care about people. Those who are in this city, those in our neighborhoods, those who are within our midst, that we would care and love, Lord Jesus, the way you've called us to love and the way you have loved us. Thank you that you're the good and chief shepherd who always knows and leads and feeds and protects us. You're always with us. The perfect, the perfect shepherd that never fails. Thank you that we can trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.